Well, we're just going to read God's word together now. And our reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. God's word says to us this this morning. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Amen. Well, Pastor Holger Reinhardt's video uh, really helps us to imagine the connection between discipleship and evangelism. And really it's such a follow-on from where Peter led us to last week in Matthew chapter 9, when we were left with this image of Jesus demonstrating this marrying of discipleship and evangelism around a table in Matthew's house that he invited himself to. And it was a table that was mixed. It was a table that had both disciples, very new disciples, and those who had already been on the road, with those who didn't yet know who Jesus was. And this is a picture, uh, I want to show you this picture by one of my favourite contemporary religious artists called Coder, because I think this picture, it really helps us to imagine uh, the diversity of that scene where you have people coming together and how Jesus begins to gather them and to bring all of them, all of the people on a journey, both of discipleship and through meeting him for the first time in evangelism. The theologian uh, Lee C. Camp uh, puts it this way. He says that the challenge of evangelism may, however, be first a challenge of discipleship. So the challenge of evangelism, uh, however, may first be a challenge of discipleship. Evangelism, he says, or reminds us, isn't about selling Jesus, it's about showing Jesus the very thing that a disciple is to be. And so, as we consider these passages in Matthew 28, very familiar, entitled The Great Commission so often, then I think it would be good for us to hold some of that everydayness that Pastor Holger has been bringing to us, that mix of what it means to be a disciple and what evangelism, what place evangelism has in that discipleship practice. And as we look at these passages, I'm hoping that first, uh, that it will be reminded actually of the passage, reminded of the commission. And secondly, uh, take time to reflect on what that means in our context, right here, right now, as followers of Jesus, uh, as people who are living in Glasgow, who uh, are in our own neighbourhoods, 
who have our own tables and also who have people that we know or maybe don't even quite know yet who also have a desire to share around a table of sorts whether that's in our homes or whether that's in a coffee shop that we may be able to access soon or maybe it's even sitting on a park bench. It's not the table, the actual table, but that is gathering around. It's sharing everyday life together. So let's look at these passages in Matthew 28 and remind ourselves, first of all, what uh, Jesus is actually commissioning uh, us to do. Verse 17 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now right away, Matthew draws our attention to two different postures here, one of worship and one of doubt. And interesting, I personally think that these passages of the Great Commission often evokes two different kind of postures within us as disciples, that of worship and sometimes that of doubt. So let's have a look at both of these uh, and what, what is really going on here around both. First of all, worship. Now, interestingly, the root word that Matthew uses in this passage, he uses it various times throughout the gospel. So let's have a look at these and maybe we can see more of a, a picture of why this particular root word is used in this particular part of uh, Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 8 verse 2. We First of all we see a man with leprosy coming and kneeling, so it's that same root word, worshipping at Jesus, before Jesus. And so there is something in this passage where we see this man with leprosy acknowledging something of the divine nature of Jesus. And we see that the outworking of that is the power that Jesus has over defilement, over this leprosy, over bringing this person back from the brink of society, uh, the least of the least. Secondly, chapter 9, verse 18. This time we find a uh, a ruler, a man, a, maybe a rich man, uh, coming to seek Jesus on behalf of his daughter who has died uh, and he kneels before this root word worships uh, before Jesus. And we see in this uh, story that actually the outworking of what happens in this acknowledgement of the divine nature uh, of Jesus is we see power over death. Then in chapter 14, verse 33, we see this picture, this, this again famous passage of when Peter walks on the water and Jesus saves him. And it says that at that point, they all worship the same root word, worshiped before Jesus. Then in chapter 15, verse 25, here we have a Gentile Canaanite woman suffering terribly it says and she comes and kneels before worships Jesus and we see the outworking of that is the power of healing. Lastly chapter 20 verse 20 it's the mother of Zebedee and she comes and she kneels before she worships Jesus and she is looking for her sons to be acknowledged 
because she is acknowledging that Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven that he has been telling everybody about. And so Matthew, I think, is painting a picture of uh, this absolute acknowledgement of the divine uh, nature of Jesus and just this absolute surrender posture of the disciples as they come into the presence of Jesus. And he's also linking together faith and practice. And I think this is an important insight and one that we're wise not to dismiss because this posture of worship is a posture of faith in action. There's a readiness. There's a readiness to hear, but there's a readiness to go. Okay, the other posture, that of doubt. Well, this word, uh, and it's a verb, a Greek verb root word, uh, which is distazo, it's only found in one other place. Interestingly, it's Matthew chapter 14, 31. So as we've seen that the worship, the same word for worship, is found in chapter 14, verse 30, uh, we also see it married again with this uh, exclamation of doubt in chapter 14, 31. Um, as they are in the boat, the disciples who think it's a ghost, it's Jesus walking on the water and Peter gets out. We know the story, he goes towards him. However, he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to flounder and he cries out for Jesus to save. And it says immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The same verb, why did you doubt? Okay, so we have these two postures. Uh, and I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that because I think, as I said, when you come to these verses, the Great Commission that the Lord Jesus gives to all his followers, we often can have a variance of either of them or simultaneously having those, uh, those postures. But here's what's really interesting. The next part of the verse. Jesus doesn't just look at the ones that are worshipping. He doesn't just look at the ones that are doubting and does something there. No, it says that to them all, to them both, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, he came to them, he came to them collectively. He understands that discipleship uh, is in the making. You know, we are in the making and he understands that both these postures exist within our own lives. He comes to them. And this word come is really interesting because again, there's a root word here that the commentaries say is only in one other place in Matthew. And it's in Matthew chapter 17, verse seven. It's the transfiguration. It says, when the disciples heard this, they fell down on the ground terrified, but Jesus came and he touched them. He came and he touched them. In our verses, it's he came and he said to them. In these verses, he came and he touched them. Jesus, Jesus comes, he responds to those who follow. He doesn't leave them out there, he responds to them. And in the case of the verses in chapter 17 in the Transfiguration, 
He's responding to Peter, James and John who have just had a preview of the King of the Kingdom, the Lord Jesus. A vision that ties in with the prophecy we find in Daniel chapter 7, 13 to 14. Look that up and see. It's amazing. And these root words, these would have resonated, these would have drawn the disciples' understanding of what was what he was about to present to them into context. And here's the context in verse 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Here's the statement. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. If you had any doubt, I'm going to tell you something that will take away that doubt. Jesus' universal lordship, though, now requires a universal mission. And what is that mission? Well, verses 19 and 20 tell us what that is. Therefore, he says, just even that one word, therefore, only because of the authority of Jesus is what is going to follow, makes it possible. Therefore, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, because Jesus has authority over heaven and earth, he can give us a commission to go and make disciples. Jesus is calling those who follow further into a radical missional lifestyle. The commission that he is given is based on and backed up by the authority of the risen and exalted Lord who promises to be ever present with his disciples. That's so important. That is so important because only, therefore, only because of Jesus can he give us that commission. Now, I think it's important at this stage to begin to think about what that means for us today. Firstly, having received this commission, uh, we have to understand that we are disciples and we aren't the finished article. Uh, as we go and make, Jesus is making us. Uh, and Lisey Camp uh, tells us, reminds us of this. He says that radical discipleship is not a burdensome moral perfectionism, but a call to leave the old ways to walk in the new ways with Christ who is life and light. The commission isn't something uh, that we have printed on t-shirts, that we memorize, or we even theologically max out. No, this commission uh, is to be engaged with. It's to be practiced. That's not a new thing. We've, we've seen that throughout the whole of Matthew. Jesus keeps saying that. You've got to practice it. And this is what he's saying with this commission. Brother Young reminds us uh, that, in effect, this is what he meant when he said, I will make you fishers of men. You know, when he called, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. It's another way of saying it. And the fishermen have nets. And I remember reading Brother Young's book uh, 
oh, years ago and been really challenged. And, you know, he, he said that if your nets are in the walls of the church, if they're yesterday's stories, if they're somebody else's stories, then that's not what this commission is about. Radically charged mere disciples have dirty, messy, broken nets. They're often found fixing their nets. And their nets are usable. They're not decorative. But we have to practice, uh, just like the first disciples. Jesus brings us around the table. That's how he helps us practice. That's the marry, uh, the marriage between discipleship and evangelism. Evangelism, we have to trust in Jesus. He teaches us through that. And here's an interesting example that we find in chapter 17 of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 14 to 21. In a summary, uh, these verses, a man brings his son who has been suffering from seizures. He had brought him to the disciples uh, and they couldn't heal him. Jesus then heals the boy of demon possession. And the disciples that are watching ask Jesus, why couldn't we make that happen? It says in verse 20, because Jesus says you have so little faith. Now that might have been a little bit of a kind of oofed, you know. Uh, you have so little faith. But then he quickly qualifies that because he reminds them, you only have to have faith the size of a mustard seed. You can move mountains in my name, he says. Nothing will be impossible for you. You see, the disciples had to practice their faith. Faith in action, visible acts of obedience, learning on the job. All that has come before, that Jesus' example of how he makes disciples comes to this point where he commissions us to do likewise. In his name, seeing his radically charged power at work. You see, Jesus in this commission is calling the disciples to come close enough to others, others who don't know Jesus or other followers, that they can be left in no doubt at the fact that those who follow Jesus are sinners, sinners saved by grace. Close enough to see disciples practicing their faith with varying outcomes and close enough to see the outworking power of Christ unfold amongst them. Through us, around us, in us. Close enough to witness our wobbles and the radically charged power of God at work. David Finch, the theologian, suggests this as Jesus confirming a twofold movement of kingdom magnitude, Missio Dea. Through Jesus, the whole world has now become the arena of God's mission. A mission that Jesus goes on with his disciples. We are not alone. As they live out every dayness of life. They live, they teach, they disciple, they baptise under his authority. A mission that's alive for today and one that Jesus calls us to be radically charged for in his power, in his authority.
Wow. Isn't that an adventure? Isn't that amazing? And he calls us today. He calls you today. If you're a follower, this is your commission. If you don't know Jesus and you're listening, then he says, come. He says, come and spend time around the everyday table with those who do know Jesus. And we'd love to hear from you. Be in touch. We want to have a coffee in a park with you outside. And when we're allowed, we'll have you in for dinner. So I want to bring us now into a time of reflection and consideration this morning in regards to this text, the commission, this calling from Jesus and our current situation. We've been in a desert of hospitality over the last year. And I'm sure you're maybe thinking about who you can have around for dinner, who you can go to their house and have dinner, who you can meet up with and have a cup of tea with. Well, let's remember what Pastor Holger said in the video and this illustration of discipleship and evangelism being very simply around a table. Let's consider our tables. Let's consider our invitation lists. Let's consider our diaries not being so full that we can take up the invitation that Jesus might call us on and say, come on, I'm taking you to somebody's for dinner. Let's make space for that. Let's protect that space. I've got some photographs uh, that were taken by Jennifer Sawyers. Through this whole lockdown, she has uh, documented the lockdown in photograph form. And I've really benefited and enjoyed looking at her photographs. She's got a great gift. And I'm just going to show you some of these photographs because I want you to think about our city. I want you to think not about the city as a whole, but the people who make up the city. And as you look at these photos, who are the people that God is lining up for you to have dinner with? Who are the people? And as the photos are on the screen, Kirsten is going to be singing to us. She's going to sing uh, just that call to come and follow Jesus. Uh, because when we come and follow Jesus, then we can go and we can make disciples. So take this time of reflection. And as we go through that, we'll be led into a time of communion. That beautiful place that is around the Lord's table. Wonderful. And so let's reflect. Let's think on all of these things. Let's think of the commission that Jesus is giving us today in Glasgow at this time when people have been so far disconnected from being around a table. Let's ask Jesus what we should do. Let's ask Jesus where he wants us to go.